and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Well, this week we have another special guest for you, Annie Malloy. Annie Malloy has a background in humanities and digital technologies with an MA in literature and publishing. And as a postgraduate in digital marketing, she initially worked with a leading publishing company before making the move to Girl Crew as co-founder. Girl Crew is a platform for women to make new friends. Not keen on going to a concert solo? Find a friend with Girl Crew. Want to book a vacation but your friends are all coupled up? Find a group of awesome girls to travel with at Girl Crew. Whatever you can dream up, you can do with the Girl Crew. Girl Crew began one Friday night when Alva Carey really wanted to go out dancing but had no one to go out with. All of her friends were either too busy or tired. Believing there had to be other women in the same position, she put a call out for some platonic dancing buddies on Tinder. She had no idea she would quickly garner more than 100 enthusiastic matches. She added everyone to a secret Facebook group in Dublin where she was based and voila, Girl Cree was born. Having gained lots of new friends and a jam-packed social calendar, Alva was going to need help. She teamed up with Annie and Pamela, where the three co-founders began growing girl crew groups in cities all over the world. There were a lot of late nights in the early days, but spaghetti bolognese got the trio through everything. Now it's time to tap into this creative human being. Enjoy. Well, today we have Anya Malloy all the way from Ireland for you, and she is here to tell us a little bit about how she uh, got over 100,000 members and only invested $60 and spread out throughout 46 countries. So Anya, welcome to I Am Woman Project. How are you today? Great, thanks. How are you? I'm really good. So what day and time is it in Ireland? It's currently 8.36 in the morning and it's the 9th of January. Ah, so it's it's completely the opposite for us. It's evening, it's 7.30 Monday evening for us. 
Okay, yeah, so you're pretty much the opposite time. (laughs) Absolutely the opposite time. So for our listeners, let's unpack Anya. Tell us a little bit about your story and then obviously I'm sure our listeners would love to know how you uh, got to get 100,000 members in 46 countries. Yeah, sure. So Girl Crew is an online, offline social network for women. Um, The idea basically is that you would join your local city group. So you would join Girl Crew Melbourne, Sydney, Perth, Dublin, New York, wherever you are. And then you're immediately connected in with all the women that are in your local area. So from there, you can share advice and recommendations online. But it's also about building your career, building a business or even sharing beauty tips. So in terms of the nights out, we've seen everything from like small little coffee get togethers to international holidays. But in terms of the business side, then we've seen people kind of share career advice through us, as well as getting jobs and getting mentors and kind of unpacking the elements that are involved in creating your own business and bringing it to the next level a lot of our members are entrepreneurs or they're women that are ambitious they're very driven characters they're women who kind of want to succeed in their given field whether it's medicine whether it's law whether it's marketing it's really across the board so i guess for us the really the idea is bringing women together and kind of recreating that community aspect that's often lost i think online and it's fantastic to see the support that our members have for each other and kind of the I guess it's almost like an online sisterhood in a way of someone will post something. Oh, I'm struggling with how do I fill out this tax form, for example, and other members will kind of rush to help them and kind of answer their questions in a very easy and very kind of helpful way. That's often lacking, I suppose, from online resources, things like that is kind of that helpful manner that you would have when you were talking to a friend, really. Mm. So Anya, I'm curious, and I'm sure listeners are too, how did you get to 100,000? Did you kind of recruit, reach out to women all over the world? Hey, do you want to start a girl crew in Melbourne, for example? Is that how it started or how did you go about it? Well, it actually started one Friday night here in Dublin. Um, Elva Carey, who's uh, the co-founder, was bored and she wanted to go out dancing. There was a club night on, but unfortunately all her friends were busy. So she turned to the internet But rather than turning to Facebook, maybe, or Twitter, she actually turned to the notorious dating app Tinder. So she changed her gender settings and put up a little graphic saying, hey, I'm a girl, I just want to go out dancing. Who's up for it? And overnight, she had over 100 matches. So it was pretty clear pretty quickly that she was on to something. So on Tinder, you can only message one-on-one. So she moved to Facebook and created a group. And from there, everyone's able to chat together and it's really kind of a much more of a community feel. So overnight, there was already events setting up and things were, the ball was already rolling. So she knew there's something in it. And from there, I guess, Girl Crew was kind of born. Then as the Dublin group got bigger, we started pulling some pranks and things online. And that kind of got the attention of media. And from there, it really just grew organically. We spent very, very little in our first year. We spent about $60 total in terms of advertising. And we were already getting press. We were already in several countries, that kind of thing. Because as people were emigrating from Ireland or talking to their friends about it online, they were all saying, oh, it'd be great if there's something like Girl Crew here. We don't have anything like that in my city. Can we do that? Can we do that? Can we do that? So there was lots of requests coming in from all over the world of people wanting a Girl Crew in their local city. So we just kind of ran with it. That's fantastic. I'm curious, what were some of your, you talked about pranks. What were some of those pranks that obviously um, got your got people's attention? Yeah, so the first big one, um, we have a, our first female president here in Ireland is called Mary Robinson. Um, she's a very much beloved woman. She's done a lot for human rights and for various things. So in and around, 
International Women's Day is Girl Crew's birthday. So a couple of years ago, we decided that we would just play a prank online and everyone would change their Tinder profile to Mary Robinson and pretend to be Mary Robinson online. So, I mean, it was just gas for so many reasons. First of all, Dublin is a relatively small city, but suddenly you had hundreds of profiles all pretending to be the one amazing woman and all speaking as if the others are all fake. So this, as it does, got picked up and Mary Robinson's press office released a statement saying Mary Robinson is not on Tinder. Um, if you're talking to her, it's a fake, blah, blah, blah. We hadn't expected it to reach their offices. And it was on Reddit. It was kind of trending around, you know, on these chat rooms online and things like that. And then a journalist being as journalists do kind of infiltrated the group, figured out it was us, had kind of put some tweets together and put some things together. And it was just like basically blew the lid off the story. So it was just a funny prank that we were kind of doing amongst ourselves um, as friends. It was not something that we'd kind of expected to get picked up or anything like that. But it was just one of those kind of funny stories from the early days of Girl Through that really kind of put the ethos out there. And it was just kind of one of those fun things that people like to do together. But it was, I mean, reading the press statement from Mary Robbins's office saying that she's not on Tinder has to be one of the funniest things that I've ever read. That's so creative. Have you done any other ones that you would like to share? Well, I guess from the community side, for example, one of my favorites, which is just such a sweet story. There was a girl, she was working in Berlin and um, she's actually from Ireland as well, but she was working abroad for a summer, a few months. And while she was abroad, her boyfriend had his birthday, but unfortunately she was unable to spend it with him or deliver anything with him. So she asked for the girls in the group for recommendations. And one of them said, oh, there's a local bakery that does amazing cupcakes. You get them to deliver. So she tried that. But unfortunately, they didn't deliver. So instead, two members from the group um, volunteered to pick up the cupcakes from the bakery and drive them to his house for his birthday with balloons and a card and everything like that. So they were kind of live messaging as they went along, posting pictures of themselves with the cupcakes collected and then driving up to this random boy's house and like surprise happy birthday and it was just it was just a really nice community moment when he well he was obviously shocked but it was just nice to see everyone in the group had kind of pitched in together to kind of make sure that this guy was able to celebrate his birthday and also that the member in Berlin was helped as well um I'm just trying to think we've had so many mad ones a girl found her father through the group and um, she was estranged from her dad so she posted some information about him and a picture and everyone was kind of like this is not going to work. I mean, Girl Crew has done a lot of things, but this might be a stretch too far. But surprise, surprise, within a couple of days, she'd managed to track him down. So it's just kind of all those things like that of like when people have been stuck in foreign countries or when they've been looking for people to join their business or even people have gone so far as to become such good friends to being bridesmaids and maids of honor for each other. I think it's just fantastic to see kind of the way that people pull together in the community. God, I think you could, there's a movie right there just listening to your story. That's oh, fantastic. I love it. <laughs> so to tell me, how do you recruit? Like how do you know it's the right uh, person to get involved with Girl Crew? Like how do you go about recruiting your, um, I guess, your tribe? Yeah, for us it's very simple. I mean we are generally just kind of a 25 plus kind of 25 to mid 30s would kind of be the core of our market. But we do have people, I mean, I think our older members are in their late 70s, 80s. So it's not really delineated by that. But really, we don't have any delineation. So regardless of kind of your religious or political affiliation, anything like that, 
there's no barrier to entry, you are welcome to join. So I guess for us, we our members, the people that are driven to us are really people that want to have fun. They're ambitious. They want to get out there. They want to explore their local area and they kind of want to do more. So for whatever reason, maybe their social circle is closing or getting smaller. You know, people get married, people move away, all those kinds of things. But they don't want to be stuck at home. They want to get out. They still want to have fun and they want to meet new people. So it's really for women from all walks of life, which makes the network so powerful because it can be someone who is new to a city or just fresh out of college or has gone back to college or is a mom. Like we have groups for moms as well. So it's everyone pulling together. And I think because of that, you can kind of draw on this wealth of knowledge and experience that is often lacking from other places, particularly online. Mm. And is this a full-time thing for you? It is, yeah. So myself and the my two co-founders, Pamela and Elva, we're all full-time. We also have some developers working for us full-time and we've hired two girls from the community to work for us part-time as well. So we are very keen to use the people that have come on this journey with us as well to kind of grow the company and grow the business. And we have lots of community admins all around the world doing beavering away volunteering with us so it's a huge huge network um which is just fantastic to see so ju- just from my, my i guess i'm curious as well um from so you obviously quit quit your full-time job um yep. you actually now are working on this business on a full-time basis mm-hmm. how do you derive income like what it, what exactly do you sell or how do you obviously you're going to make a living how do you do that with what you do so we kind of have a few revenue streams. I think at the moment, it's very important, particularly for online businesses, to be diversifying from the beginning. Um, it's kind of gone past this point of just relying solely on one stream. So for us, we do advertising. We also do a lot of brand partnerships. We also sell things directly so people would give us pot- potentially kickback on tickets. But we're very careful. We don't just advertise or sell with any company. We always choose partners that are benefiting our members somehow. And it's a dual kind of benefit. So it's a benefit to us as a company, but it's also a benefit to our members. So they would get a discount. They would get exclusive access to something. They would get content that's not available anywhere else or events that aren't accessible to anyone else. Then we also create our own events. So we run Girl Crew Pro, which is a careers focused event. So we kind of get female speakers that are at the top of their game in various industries come in and speak to our members about whatever topics about their career journey and how they did it themselves. Along with that, we also have a subscription model. So we have a premium version, which is paid events, um, which are hosted by a member of the team. So we kind of have this dual model where you can access the groups for free and you can suggest or create or attend events as you wish. But then we also have a subscription version where the events are hosted by us. So they're always set up in advance. You get calendar and dates and loads of kind of extra benefits. So I guess on top of that, we also have we've also taken on some investment and we are an enterprise island, which is kind of a state government body uh, client as well. So from from our point of view, in terms of going forward, we will be obviously taking on more investment into the future. But I think for us, it's kind of that dual thing of growing the membership base and also growing the revenue models that our company can bring to the table. Wow, you must have uh, live a very busy life. Yeah, it's pretty hectic. It's pretty hectic, but it's good. I think because of the com- type of company we are, if you're not the kind of person that likes getting out there, meeting people, learning new things, then they're the kind of people that are on our team. So we're really people that are, are go, 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 I would say. <laughs> 
Because mm, not everybody likes to network. Some people, I mean, especially if you're an introvert, um, and I'm me myself, I'm always out doing lots of workshops and uh, you know speaking gigs. But uh, I'm an introvert, so I actually uh, get my energy from being at home. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs like that who actually mm. don't like the networking side of things. So how do they actually get to build their business um, and not just sticking to online, but have that? Uh, another stream of networking, whether, you know, like you, you, you've created for yourself, actually. Yeah, I think start small, really. Um, the networking thing is something that I've kind of, well, tried to be better at. Um, I wouldn't say similar to yourself. It's not something that entirely always comes naturally to me. I'm a bit of an ambivert in that I do need some alone time every day or I, I do start to go a bit, a bit weird around the edges, shall we say. But I think that, um, Start small. So there's probably someone in your network right now that you can think of that is an interesting woman or man, perhaps, or has done something that you would like to do. So they're probably really good at potentially marketing or their financial whiz or whatever have you. And I think just reach out to that individual and say, look, I really want to take my business or my idea to the next level. I'm really a fan of what you've done. Would it be okay if we met for a coffee? I have a couple of questions to ask you about X topic. I wouldn't say reaching out to people saying, can I pick your brains or let's just meet for a coffee isn't particularly valuable. You're talking about people who already have huge time pressures themselves. Mm. So in my experience, if you say I've got these three questions that I really want to ask you, I want to get your feedback on. That's such a more valuable time for them because People like that are problem solvers. So by their very nature, they'll start thinking about your questions, kind of whether they like it or not, but they will get into their head. You'll be like, okay, they have three questions. They know what they're talking about. They're focused. So I'm willing to give some of my time. I think starting small like that is a great way to do it. We've done, I do it myself all the time. And it's a great way to just kind of, I guess, also get noticed by people in your industry, but also get key advice from people who have been there before. Mm, it's it's really good. I mean, and it really depends because it's not, you know, I don't, I don't know that, um, you know, I guess it depends on the individual as well, whether they've got the confidence, but I don't know that some, indiv- I mean, I don't know, I can only speak for Australia, but I can definitely say that, you know, there's times where we've actually collaborated with other women and they're not very mm. forthcoming with sharing their information. And I, f- I feel that sometimes in, um, there's a lot of competition amongst women, uh, whereas what you're talking yeah. about, there's collaboration. So you're actually yeah. helping one another, but you know, there's, there's also the other flip side to that where women are against competing against one another and it's almost like especially in larger organization in corporations it's almost like they want other women to fail so they don't you know lend a, a hand out to support them mm. yeah it's something that I personally haven't experienced but I have heard a lot of stories in a similar vein and I think a lot of it down comes down to the workplace culture mm. um, which unfortunately is often ingrained but I think if people start reaching out then people will start responding um it kind of is that thing of once you step to step up to the plate then other people will feel like it's okay to and it's actually okay to share your knowledge and it's actually okay to pull up other women behind you that sharing your knowledge doesn't weaken you it actually strengthens you because people will remember you for doing a good deed and they will turn to you again so when they have a speaking slot or when they need advice they will come to you and suddenly you're kind of building your own network that way as well. 
I think it is sad to hear stories like that. And I can understand it in a way because a lot of particularly old, more old fashioned industries, say banking or finance or whatever, are very much a boys club. So I think for a lot of women who feel like they've made it, they've kind of almost like, you know, forced their way in. They've smashed through so many barriers that they feel like maybe there isn't space for everyone. But there actually is. And I think the reality is that by helping the people around you, it's actually beneficial to you as an individual. I mean, studies show that helping people makes you happier. It's good for your heart health. It's good for your lifespan. So if you're going to look at it from a purely selfish point of view, you live longer by helping more people. Oh, I agree. And I think from an energy point of view as well, I look at it paying it forward. You know, what you give out is what you receive. So that from an energy perspective. So I, I, I really do think that, you know, it's in the giving that we receive. Absolutely. Yeah. So Anya, what kind of advice would you give to our listeners? Because you've embarked on a really big adventure. You've created an amazing business. What would be some advice you would give to somebody who would like to embark on a, you know, their own business or a new career? My advice really would be to start. Um, and I know that sounds a lot simpler and I know it's very easy to procrastinate and put things off, but actually just starting. So even by starting small, write down your plan, write down what you want to be, where you want to go, what your vision is for your project and kind of working back so it's broken down into small steps. But keeping something in your head, kind of muttering it every now and then to your friends under your breath isn't starting. What you need to do is actually take that first step. So reach out to that first person, research that first company that you admire. Just start because it's so easy to think, oh, I'd love to do this. I'd love to do X project and not do anything about it. And suddenly the time passes quite quickly and you're like oh I've spent a year in this job or oh, maybe I'll just wait another six months and I'll get another promotion and before you know it, it it could potentially be too late so my advice would really be to start it's never you'll never get the time that's 100% perfectly right so if you just start now even if you're in a full-time job already just start in the evenings writing down your ideas writing down your plans start looking at people online, who to follow on Twitter, start engaging with people. I think just getting the ball rolling is really, really the best advice we could give to anyone. Mm, so, And what about for those that probably are not like someone like me who's not um, – I'm not very keen on social media. I find social media, to me specifically, I do have a team that look mm. after it. Um, it can be, it can be distracting, a waste of time, and I actually don't have time. So what about for those that are like that, where they're probably not too savvy on social media or um, uh, don't have the time for social media? What would be some other ways for them to reach out and connect with other people? I think the best thing to do then is to really look at the companies that, so for example, if you wanted to build, um, I'm, I'm just spitballing here, but for example, if you wanted to build a marketing company, maybe have a look at the other companies in your city, have a look at the, what they're doing, the work that they're doing, and have a look at where their clients are. Because if you are for example, building an agency that wants to focus on one niche, if you can look at it where a company is spending money, it's likely that their competitors are also what going to want to spend because there is that kind of rivalry. Well, one company has created a big campaign, so we must create a big campaign in return. So I think just look uh, on like online is obviously the easiest place to go, but look at the various websites of your competitors, even just look at the elements of their websites that you like that you don't like and start by doing some research, I think it's impossible to start any company without doing some 
research and kind of figuring out where you're going to lie in the niche. What are you going to bring that's new and that's fresh and that's different? And why will people spend their time or their money with you over someone else? Start small, obviously, if you're a one woman team, but just start. Mm. So do you, you, you have a, um, from what I understand, your belief is to actually find your tribe, your niche, and then create your business. Well, we kind of did it a little bit backwards in that when we started this, we were still working and we initially we were kind of just growing it and we weren't really sure which way we knew it was grow we knew it was growing organically um but we weren't sure how fast it would grow and where it would grow to and it's just kind of because of the simplicity of the idea that it's one that people can immediately latch on to no matter where they are in the world but i guess for us really we built so a lot of our team have come through our members so for example I was a member first and then I came on as co-founder so I think once you're generating ideas and putting them out there you will quickly find people that are interested for the same reasons or maybe for different reasons as you but they get the ethos they get your passion they understand the project and they're the kind of people that you can start to collaborate with Mm, so true so what has been some of your lessons along your journey Definitely um, asking as many questions as you can and also asking for help. That's one thing. I don't know whether it's an Irish thing, but I know we experienced it even when we traveled to San Francisco and things that asking for help. People are, from our experience, people are willing to help if you are willing to kind of be serious. People don't want to waste their time. They don't want to feel like their time was wasted. So I think if you're serious, if you're genuinely looking for genuine help and very specific help, then people will be more receptive to you. It might take a couple of goes. It might take a phone call to get them. But people will kind of open up and will be more willing to kind of share their knowledge with you if you are if you're serious, if they can see that you're actively working, if they can see that you're actively building something. I think it's it's much easier to kind of reach out to people then. Mm, absolutely. And the other thing that we love to ask on you is uh, we love to ask our, our women of inspiration about pain points because we believe everyone's got pain points. So what would be some of your biggest pain points that you, um, you know, have to deal with on a day-to-day basis? I think for us, because we're still a small team, oftentimes it's sheer manpower. There often just aren't enough hands to get everything done. It can also be tricky when you're trying to hire. Hiring has been a, a bit of a difficult one for us. Obviously, based out of Dublin, we have every tech giant in the world is on our doorstep. And hiring for a startup can be quite difficult um, just in terms of, you know, we don't have a doctor on site, for example, but you would at Google. So you kind of want to get people that are bought into the ethos, bought into where the company can go and the potential of the company, um, as opposed to, well, if you go down the road, you will get you know, a six figure salary and all the perks in the world. So I think it's really important to when you're hiring to find out why people are excited about your business and to kind of get them bought into the idea of the opportunity that your business can bring. And that doesn't need to be global domination. It can just be we want to be the best in our city. We want to be the best in our country or we even want to be the best in our neighborhood if you're something like a coffee shop or something like that. But I think the idea is to be building something that people are excited by, that people want to be involved in. And that really kind of encourages hiring and attracts people that will be supportive of you and enthusiastic of the idea. Mm. And hiring for for our listeners as well, we talk about this quite often. Uh, There's that 
that two mindset where do I have an employee or do I actually have contractors? And I don't know how it is in Dublin, but in Australia, definitely you can have contractors so you don't have to pay all the excess, uh, you know, holidays and, and public mm. holidays. Uh, so we find that a lot of the entrepreneurs that we've uh, collaborated with definitely have a lot of contractors uh, as a way to start off their business, especially when they're a small team. Yeah, we did not do that. Um, we kind of purposely went for the hiring, particularly of our dev in, in-house. So I guess for us, we wanted someone who was available. We wanted someone who would be there the full working week. We wanted someone who would be engaged in the company and also, I guess, part of the team. The problem for us, obviously, is that our devs are a core part of our team. We are building our own platform at the end of the day. So we didn't want it shuffling between loads of hands. We wanted the same people focused on it. So for us, we went down that route. Now we have since hired some contractors to do some work at the moment, but definitely we would, I guess for us, we've always heard that rule that adding, if you're hiring out, if you're outsourcing, add 30% for time and money. So that was something that we definitely took into account. And for us being a social network, we needed in-house. But I definitely think there's ways to, you know, outsource some of the jobs. If, for Mm. example social media isn't your bag there are hundreds of people online who are wizards at social media so you can outsource that they can send you reports you can check in on their work so that's one area that could be easily outsourced if you need copywriting done that's easily outsourced so there's loads of things that can be outsourced and there's loads of things that can be easily ticked off the list and for example we hired accountants because that was just a time suck for us so I guess look at the areas where maybe it's not so important for you or where it's an easy, you know, it's an easy decision to make that. So for example, if there's key jobs that are taking up a lot of time, but they're not actually crucial. So you could potentially outsource those. I think it's just a case of fitting in what's a business decision, financial decision and growth decision and kind of prioritizing them. Yeah. And there's two things I want to bring up. So there's pros and cons about Having employees and contractors because you're right. It, yeah. it does having an employee working with you every day does create that team environment. Whereas contractors, mm-hmm. they're I guess they're running their own business, but they're just doing some, some work for you. So it's a, there's a little bit of a, a difference there. Um, and the other piece I wanted to bring up as well was um, with um, especially because you're you're it's your type of business. You're actually developing a platform, which is a lot different yeah. to I guess a lot of what what our entrepreneurs are all about as well so it's not very I mean you know it's not a, it's very te- technical what you do yeah yeah so the other thing we'd love to ask is what do you think are some of the reasons that uh, people fail to succeed in business I think really it's kind of it can sometimes just be fear um but fear of failure, which is often crippling, I think, um, surprisingly, people are, you know, passionate at the start and then they can just be for whatever reason, you can just feel like, oh, I'm going to fail. So rather than giving it their all, they often just do nothing. So this is really kind of detrimental. I know it's something that affects my own creativity. So I'm just thinking kind of personally, but we often see it. I think it's something where you think, oh, there's potential for this project to go wrong. So I'll almost self-sabotage myself and not work to the best of my ability or not even voice that I'm having a problem. 
and instead I'll just work in this downward spiral and then try and figure it out when it's failed because there's a chance for it to fail so it's bound to fail and you kind of fall into that cycle of you know kind of downplaying your own abilities thinking that you're going to fail so then obviously you really have no option but to fail so for me I think if you kind of notice that thought pattern take a break just even go outside or you know take have a cigarette if you smoke or go have a cup of tea or cup of coffee and just kind of move away and just look at where you want to be and what you want to do so then I think again literally taking out a piece of paper and, and a pen and writing down the plan okay so this is my goal how do I work back from that how do I if I was to start right this second what would be the first thing that I need to do I think breaking it down into chunks can be really helpful some things I think in terms of what we always do as a team anyway is roadmap things out so even plan for three six nine months and it's plan a okay great so plan a is if everything goes to plan and I could think in the morning what would be the best option this is plan a and then plan b okay some things have fall fall failed rather but I'm also looking at other ways of finding solutions, other ways of working things out, and then perhaps if needs be a plan C. So I think that allows you to be more agile as you go forward. But even just the idea that when things are veering off or when things aren't working out, you can go back to the drawing board and kind of rethink, recalibrate the plan and be a bit more agile in where you want to go. Mm, I like that. And that happens, you know, that's a common thing when you think about it. A lot of people actually don't, when they make a plan, they don't look at what may get in the way of you achieving this plan or what are the consequences of uh, you not achieving these plan. And this is where I love the fact that you have a plan A, but then you have a plan B. So if, if plan yeah. A goes wrong, at least you've got a backup plan. Yeah, exactly. And I think as well, even our best laid plans aren't often fully thought through. So you might be going, this is going great, but then you're wondering, hang on, the last time we did this job or the last time we did this project, this element worked faster, this element got better results. Why? Why is that happening? So I think at every point, you should ask yourself, why am I doing this? And what difference will this make? And then you can start drawing in resources from other areas, drawing on your own expertise. And quite quickly, you'll be able to see what is going right and what is going wrong. Because mm, it's quite often I find too that a lot of um, entrepreneurs and uh, individuals in business, what they do is when things don't work out, they just go harder at it, invest more yeah. money at it, and mm. that just doesn't go anywhere. You know, why not try something completely different or do the opposite? So, you know, if you've invested a lot of money in Facebook uh, ads, for example, and in your return on investment, you know, you weren't happy with your return on investment, it hasn't worked out, maybe to do something completely different and see how you go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Facebook ads is, is kind of a, a great example because that's one area where you can start small see what's worked, see what hasn't worked, make a small change, see what's worked, make a small change, make a small change, and so on. So I think it's one of those things where you should kind of look at everything like that. And if you're making too many changes, you're not going to know what has or hasn't worked. So it needs to be kind of a reiteration that actually makes sense and that actually is going somewhere and there's a reason why. So maybe you change the language from sign up to learn more or download and what impact did that have? So changing things constantly isn't always the best. You should make a change, see how that's impacted, make another change, and then eventually you'll come out with a product that is as close to perfect as it can be. Mm, that's right. I remember once a lady that we interviewed, she said, just like you said, just put it out there and then at, you'll learn by what your tribe likes or don't don't like or what's working, what's not working, 
um, by putting it out there and then you can just tweak it as you move along. Absolutely. Yeah. I think as well, though, there is, I know it's kind of the opposite of what I just said, but I like it's, I think there's this, there's the concept of MVP. So it's kind of like the minimal viable product. So I think it depends on your industry as well. If you're, you know, building a TV kind of don't start with radio, like the, you know, the main difference is the screen. So you kind of need to think you, you need to get your product to a point where it's actually close to close enough to what you want. I mean, don't wait, obviously, until it's perfect. But also don't put out something that is so weak that even, you know, a slight breeze can blow it down. Mm. Yeah, and I guess you're right. It depends on the type of business, whether it's actually a service or a product that makes a big difference, yeah. of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Anya, what we do as we wrap up the show, we love to ask our woman of inspiration, pick one word that best describes her personal brand. So what would be that one word for you? I think for uh, – it would probably have to be tenacious. Um, I think just – from everything in my life has just kind of been fast paced and but also kind of fairly dogged and scrappy so I think that's probably a good word for everything that's happened so far. I love it and the other thing that we do as we wrap up the show is to ask our woman of inspiration to leave our listeners with three shiny golden nuggets so what three shiny golden nuggets would you like to leave for our audience today? I guess kind of everything that I said so the first thing would definitely be build and support your network which I think sounds boring and sounds tough but it's actually a great way to build your own confidence and to build your career and I really think that like even by starting by small by attending a networking event in your area the first time you go maybe you don't speak to anyone the second time you speak to one person the third time you know and kind of building it out that way and always look at how you can help people not necessarily how people can help you and the second thing would definitely be make a plan I'm a great one for, I mean, I write them down on scraps of paper, but, um, and then I have a million of them. But for me, actually writing something down as opposed to typing is really, really kind of cathartic. It really helps me think through my problems um, much easier than typing something out online. But whatever works for you, whatever way it works for you, I think making a plan is the best thing you can do. And the third thing would definitely be double your estimates. Like we, it's something that we've learned time and time again the hard way. But if you think a project will take, five days it's more likely to be take 10 you know if you think Mm -hmm. a project will take 150 dollars it'll probably take closer to 200 so I think really allowing yourself that cushion of time and money um means that there you know shocks along the way will be mitigated but also you will actually be better prepared I could really relate to that last one, um, absolutely, because yeah. <laughs> quite often we underestimate how much and how much, but not just mu- how much it would cost for us to complete a project, but also the time we just uh, learned some really big lessons in 2017 that really aligns with what you just said. Yeah, I think people often kind of overestimate how much work you can get mm. done in an hour. Um, and particularly if it's a tedious task, sometimes your brain just switches off. Mm. So why you could potentially do, you know, X chore a minute, you might stop. Like, you know, you might physically just be like, oh, I can't, I can't cope with this. Mm. So I think really, yeah, doubling your estimates is one that we've definitely learned. I love that one. So Anya, where can our listeners find you? What's the best place? So the best place, we're all across all social media. We're Girl Crew HQ and we also have a Girl Crew Melbourne groups. Um, and if you are interested in joining up, um, you can find out more at girlcrew.com. Mm, thank you so much for your time and your energy. And uh, I love the accent too, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Thank you so much.
Thank you. Thank you. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift. Where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.